Hello, and welcome to AdTech Today, a Smato podcast led by women from various roles in the ad tech industry. Joining me today is Christiana Kachapodi, who is the VP of Partnerships at Madhive. Christiana, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your experience in the industry and about Madhive as a company as well? Sure. Um, so I have spent pretty much my whole career in ad tech. It was kind of an accident. <laughs> um, when I was in college, I did a bunch of different internships kind of in and around the communication space, and I didn't want to not get paid for <laughs> my internships. And it just so happens that ad tech is what paid. So here I am. Um, and so Throughout my almost decade here in the industry, I've been at an ad network when I first joined. I worked for a cookie-based retargeting firm. Um, I've done like a video, a SaaS-based video content creation tool. Um, I worked for Tremor Video as part of the team that launched their SSP back before they were Tolaria. And now I'm at Madhive. That's really cool. Um, I know that a lot of people are really excited about um, Talaria, and I'm hearing about it from all sorts of different venues, like even friends and family that are not in the ad tech industry are asking me about, hey, do you know anything about Talaria? What do you know about CTV? So it's cool to have so much experience in a very relevant industry. Um, you know, I I spent a couple of years in some other industries that are, I guess you could call dinosaur industries. So definitely, definitely <laughs> excited to be in ad tech now. Um, but I'm really glad we got to meet uh, in Cologne at Demexco a few months ago. Um, and I remember you mentioned that you had uh, written a report talking about um, fraud in the OTT environment. And I got a chance to read it. Um, and it was really, really insightful. Um, I think a lot of people from, yeah, and I think a lot of people just from our team here at Smato really benefited from reading it as well. Um, but yeah, today, I would love to ask you just some questions about that report. Sure. So that report um, I wrote for AdLedger. Um, Madhive is, of course, a, um, a DSP that's been really focused on the OTT market. Um, we've been in this space for about three years, so we have a real wealth of data about OTT and kind of the, the behaviors around its, its um, kind of purchase and sale. Um, and so the kind of other... Uh, aspect to our business is that we've always been really interested in integrating um, new technologies like cryptography into ad tech. So of course, cryptography is just, um, you know, when you see like the little green lock in your browser um, and you know that it's safe to put, for example, your credit card data into Amazon, if you're buying something, that's what cryptography is. And so we've always been interested in this concept of transferring that same benefit of security and kind of immutability into ad tech. And so for that reason, we launched um, AdLedger. And so when I was uh, at Madhive for about six months, um, Adam, our CEO, approached me and asked me to um, lead the initiative. And so it's been about a year and a half we've been out in market. And um, the goal is that um, we build out rules and standards for how new technologies like blockchain and cryptography impact the media and advertising industries in a really um, awesome kind of nonprofit organization. And so our board is a lot of the all the agency holding companies. It's huge publishers like Tegna and Meredith and Hearst. Um, and all kind of sitting around and, and being that forum for collaboration, um, 
that you kind of need if you're going to create something that's really innovative and different than the way we're doing things today. Um, so as part of that mission, um, a lot of what we do is research and education in the industry. And that's really where the fraud and OTT report came from, because for some reason I kept hearing in the market, oh, well, there is no fraud and OTT, just huge sweeping blanket statements like that. Um, and of course, you know, growing up in digital and, and knowing OTT for the last, you know, four or five years, um, I just know that's patently false. <laughs> you know, it's it's much closer in the way that it's it's delivered to digital than it is to traditional linear television. And I think that's where the belief comes from. Um, because linear, it's so difficult to actually perpetrate fraud within that traditional live linear environment. It's virtually impossible to insert fraud into that environment. Um, that thought process, it, it was just like, okay, we just pick this up and put it online. So there is no fraud online either. And that's just not the case because OTT is bought and sold the same way digital is. And it's, it's vulnerable to the same attack vectors that digital was. And so the report that we created leveraged a lot of the insights from Adledger members like Mad Hive and a company called Beachfront, which is an SSP in the OTT space. Um, and, you know, kind of was a collection of what we were seeing in the market and the different types of fraud we were seeing, as well as just a high level overview of, you know, this is how OTT is bought and sold. And therefore, these are the types of fraud that it's vulnerable to. And before we uh, dive into it, if our listeners wanted to take a look at that report, um, is it available on, on the website or where could they find it? It's available free online at ledger.org. There's a banner at the top of the page. You just click download and you could select any one of the, the bunch of educational research um, resources that we've released from that banner. Cool. Um, so before we start talking about fraud in OTT, can we give a little primer on what is OTT and what is CTV and what is the difference and why are, why are we seeing the industry using these terms interchangeably? Is there, is, is it, is it important to draw a difference? Um, yeah, I think, I think you're right that the industry is absolutely using them interchangeably. Um, I think a lot of the trade publications though, when you kind of Google, what is the difference between CTV and OTT? What you usually find is CTV, of course, meaning connected television, um, generally refers to a television that is connected to the internet. So it's a very broad definition. And OTT, which of course stands for over the top, um, refers to any content that is shown to consumers, uh, you know, quote unquote, over the top or outside of their connection to cable. Um, and so it's usually just a catch-all for streaming content. Right. Okay. So now that we've kind of established some of the basics, um, the first myth that you start to mention in your report is that there's really no OTT inventory available in the open auction as of yet. And this is a pretty common opinion. I mean, I've heard this from demand partners that I've talked to. I think I've heard this um, from other people, you know, here in the company. I've heard it just kind of all over the place. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why maybe people think this way and what is the actual fact? Um, I think they think this because maybe at the beginning that inventory was so rare that a lot of content providers were selling it out directly. And I think to a certain extent for some providers and some specific pieces of content on OTT, that may still be the case. But now, instead of just having that very, very premium, you know, CBS 
type of network content available over the top. Um, you're starting to see a proliferation of these new AVOD platforms. So platforms like Zumo and Tubi and Pluto, um, they are generating tons and tons of inventory. And um, now that there's this flood of inventory, it's not um, you know as common to see it sold out by those direct sales team. So there's a lot of that digital first platforms um, are also going to the open option. So I forgot what the exact number is that we cite in our report, but it's billions and billions of impressions are available in the open option, according to data from Manhive and um, Beachfront, um, were the two sources that we studied for our report. Yeah. And I think, I mean, along those lines, CTV and over the top in general is not that nascent anymore. So, you know, because of the fact that it's not so nascent anymore, I think people can be more optimistic about um, seeing more of that inventory in the open auction. But kind of on the flip side of that is one of the second myths that you mentioned, which is that there's no fraud in this environment. And I think, I don't know if this has to do with people still kind of being maybe late to the game to realize that it's not so nascent anymore and and wherever there is opportunity there's going to be bad players that follow but can you talk a little bit about um this myth and maybe myth bust it for us sure um yeah i think i think your point about um you know there's going to be fraud wherever there's opportunity um is really really valid and i think especially when there is opportunity where the costs are so high relative to for example display so your average ott inventory is going to be at a much higher cpm um, than your average display impression um so there's obviously a huge um kind of honeypot for a fraudster that would attack that type of inventory. And so, yeah, I've heard this a million times from really smart people in the industry saying, oh yeah, there's just no fraud. Um, and so again, because it is purchased and sold programmatically for the most part, um, unlike live linear TV, where you have to make a physical call to a human at a television station and say, I want this spot to air at this time mm -hmm. on this day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's there's a much larger opportunity for manipulation in that automated market, unfortunately. So what exact, what types of fraud are we looking at exactly? I mean, is it is it different from traditional in-app advertising fraud that we're seeing or... I mean, because like you said, it's it's digital, so it's bought and sold the same way. I'm wondering if the type of fraud is the same. Um, there are a few differences and similarities. So in some ways, it's very similar because of the, that kind of digital comparison. There are a lot of digital schemes that were just kind of, um, you know, lifted and shifted to um, to the OTT space. So for example, um, what we saw in the report was that, um, you know, there's a lot of misrepresentation. So we saw that there were times that there was quote unquote verified traffic, verified U.S. traffic rather, um, that the actual device that pulled the creative was not in the U.S. So the fraudsters in this case, or presumed fraudsters, I guess, um, was were representing the inventory as validated U.S. traffic um, when it was actually being shown to devices outside of the U.S. What we were seeing it was largely in APAC countries, um, and so the motivation there is that generally U.S. traffic um, demands a very high CPM, and sometimes that CPM differs from other countries. Um, we also saw um, a bunch of uh, uh, like app 
fraud where the same app would call um, for an ad, let's say like a hundred times in two seconds. And so obviously a real human is not able to watch a hundred ads or even 50 ads or three ads in the same second. Right. So like, that's obviously there's something fishy going on there. Um, the other thing we saw that was interesting was a lack of any circadian variation, meaning that, you know, real humans go to sleep sometimes and they're not using their phones or their computers to watch OTT. Um, and so when we see the same app giving us the same amount of traffic at every hour of every day, even when we adjust for, um, you know, time zones, um, that's another red flag. So in a lot of ways, it's similar. Those are all fraud, all fraud schemes that we see across digital and traditional in-app advertising. Um, the differences are that the television itself is slightly different um, than, you know, a, a phone or a computer. So the television itself doesn't run JavaScript. It's a slightly different client for, um, you know, any kind of programs that are running on the device itself, it has to be, it has to be slightly different. So in a lot of ways the same, but, um, you have to have slightly more sophisticated, um, methodologies for catching that fraud, um, which is something we've been really focused on at MadHive. So along those lines then, how, what kinds of best practices would you recommend, um, to either quickly identify or, or shut down this type of activity? Um, so at Matterhive, we looked at it as, look, this is a problem that is at its core stemming the fact from the fact that this is automation. So let's um, create really smart automated solutions. So we created a lot of um, AI-based methodologies to identify when um, a certain device or a certain app um, was not acting as you would expect a human to act. And so whenever we um, see that that type of activity is, is happening, where it's, like I mentioned before, an example would be if um, a device is asking for um, too many ads in the same time period where it couldn't possibly be a human watching all of those ads just by the laws of like time and physics, <laughs> um, we automatically um, stop sure. serving ads to those sources. Um, so at, on a, a broader level, aside from doing the, you know, we'll just work with MadHive <laughs> solution, I would just recommend really talking to your vendors about um, what they're seeing um, and how they're responding to it and having those conversations about, you know, what they're doing to be proactive instead of just kind of resting on the laurels of OTT doesn't have fraud. Right. And so from maybe from a more optimistic point of view, then um, for from an advertiser perspective, in terms of impression opportunities, one thing that you and I talked about in uh, Cologne a few months ago was um, basically around cross-device audience targeting. Um, and you had a lot of really interesting insights to share there. Maybe you could kind of give us a quick summary um, of what MadHive is working on there, but maybe also just from a general perspective. Yeah, I think generally the the promise of OTT and the reason why it's so exciting to marketers is the fact that they're really getting the both best of both worlds, right? They're getting the you know ability to do data-driven marketing and apply the same methodologies that they do in digital to do that data-driven targeting and really precise um, you know determination of who they want to talk to. Um, with the biggest screen in the household when the consumer is more likely to be in this very lean back, um, 
you know, moment in their day and kind of the right context. Um, and so that's why it's so exciting that you get to combine those two really powerful, um, you know, uh, aspects. Um, and so the, the fact that um, you can do data-driven marketing means that you can start to think about cross-device targeting. And so what we're doing at Mounthive is um, we've built out a proprietary OTT-first device graph. And so the way we did that was um, for the past three years, um, we were um, really, I think, one of the only DSPs to start building their technology with OTT in mind. Um, and so we built out our device graph um, based not only on television devices in the household, but also other devices in the household. So starting to map, um, you know, which devices are in the household all the time versus who is only in the household for maybe a minute. So am I just visiting my friend's house or am I, um, you know, actually going back to the same location every day and, and therefore I... Um, you know, am likely to be a member of that household. Um, and so what you can start to do there once you have those kind of um, that infrastructure is you can start doing really interesting things about frequency management cross screen um, and sequential messaging. So frequency management, meaning that, um, you know, are you showing the same ad to the same viewer across all of those mediums a sum total of a million times and therefore you're wasting your ad dollars because at a certain point, you know, it's, it's not interesting anymore to just target the same people over and over and over again. Um, or can you start to make sure that across all of those media, um, you're targeting those people in an amount of times that is meaningful? So what Madhive has done is start to study what is the ideal frequency across all of those media um, in order to gain, to get whatever outcome the marketer is looking for. So is it that after two exposures on a television, on OTT, and one exposure on mobile and one more exposure on desktop, that's the ideal mix, maybe. And you start to kind of tune from there, and that's what our AI does. Um, and then on the sequential messaging side, once you have that that piece of frequency management and you can start to talk to different devices within the household and know who within the household you're targeting on which devices, now you can start doing um, kind of like a narrative arc of storytelling. So maybe the marketer wants to reach me with an ad that introduces their product first and they want to show that ad on OTT because it's a big screen and I'm probably being attentive because it's television. Um, and then once they know that I've been exposed to that ad maybe once or twice or three times, whatever their frequency is, um, maybe they want to reach me with a product-specific ad on my phone. Um, and so it's a really cool opportunity to kind of create a full story and brands really like that idea. Yeah, I mean, I think we've come a pretty long way in advertising from, you know, I just want eyeballs and I just want to pay dollars for eyeballs and right. show the same ad 20 times in a week, you know, to now, I mean, having worked in marketing for a while, the the importance of the buyer journey and, you know, telling a story, like you said, um, over time that kind of fits to the interests and the needs of your potential buyer Anytime that you can have data to validate that kind of uh, marketing, it makes it so much more impactful. So it's really cool that you guys are working on that. Um, and so from a publisher perspective, what are some essential um, tools or best practices that they can be using to um, succeed in the OTT environment? 
I think the best practices are very similar to best practices across digital. So you want to do those things like being really descriptive with what your supply is. Obviously, building a strong publisher brand will always help you. Um, and then doing um, doing really cool things around how you package your inventory, I've seen be really successful for publishers. So can you create a PMP that you of users that you know fit a certain demographic that marketers are looking and really integrate your first party data into that? Um, we've seen a lot of success for publishers, for publishers taking that approach. Um, but I think there's going to be um, some really exciting times when it comes to OTT for publishers as users continue to cut the cord. I think so too. Um, I think definitely our listeners will be going to the AdLedger website to take a look at your report. Um, I can only highly recommend it. I think it's very insightful. Um, but thank you very much for spending some time with us today to walk us through some of these common myths and uh, explain a little bit more about OTT in general and how to succeed in that environment. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Well, to our listeners, um, make sure that you subscribe and follow and tune in next time for another episode.